Daniel chapter 6. <clears throat> Actually, let's read Daniel chapter 5, verse 31, just for introductory purposes. Daniel 5, verse 31. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to, to the king, and they said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom and the prefects and satraps, the counselors, the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. So we've moved from the kingdom of, of Babylon, the, the Babylonian Empire that we saw last week, the last day, the last night of, of the Babylonian Empire there in chapter 5, and, and it ended with Darius the Mede receiving the kingdom. It's, it's the kingdom, the new kingdom is the Medes and the Persians, two empires that came together from kind of the, the Iran area, and they they conquered much of the uh, of of the ancient Near East. Uh, some say from 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 Greece all the way through uh, Asia Minor, Syria, Babylon, uh, Iran, all the way to India. A a huge territory that the Medes and the Persians uh, conquered. the The main king was Cyrus, Cyrus the Great. But here we have Darius, maybe a, 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 just a, a, a lesser king. There's, there's no certainty about who this Darius was. He's just called Darius the Mede. At the end of this chapter, we see that, that Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of, of Cyrus, Cyrus the Persian. It seems that there are two different men, Cyrus being the, the top king. I don't know how you rank kings, what the proper protocol for calling them, you know, the king. And, and Darius seems to be 
mainly over the kingdom of, of Babylon. But he's, he's, he's ruling the kingdom that formerly was under uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, and those who succeeded him down to Belshazzar, the king. Now Darius the Mede is, is over that kingdom as part of Cyrus's empire, the empire of the Medes and the Persians. And Cyrus, it's, it's, you see this administrative work that he, that he goes about. He sets up 120 satraps that he divides that part of the kingdom into smaller groups, 120. They would be similar to a governor. That, that he gives them control. And over those 120, he sets up three high officials, three super governors or, 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 or three officials who oversee those 120. So that's pretty easy math. Three into, in, into 120 is 40. So they each have these, these 40 areas that, that they're supervising. And one of those is Daniel. It's kind of ironic that Belshazzar said, whoever can, can interpret this handwriting on the, on the wall, I will make him number three leader. That, that, that Belshazzar was, was Nabonidus' son. They were co-regents, and he said, I'll give you third position in the kingdom. And then he dies that night. But Daniel still ends up being one of the three top uh, uh, officials under Darius. It's it's. Belshazzar made this, this, this promise of reward, um, but he was killed before, and you know, maybe he elevated Daniel. He elevated Daniel, but then a new sheriff is in town, Darius and the Medes and the Persians. Uh, Daniel still, by reputation and his abilities, says that he was a, 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 a uh, great spirit indwelled uh, him, an excellent spirit, that being the spirit of, of the Lord. So Daniel is one of the three that oversee the 120 satraps. Their job is what? To, to, to make sure the king doesn't suffer loss, that the king is taxing different, uh, different areas of their economy, maybe just a, 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 a census-type tax, but certainly on, on all the things that they produce. And, and Daniel is one of the ones who is, who is in charge of all of the king's uh, doings, works that are going on. It says that he, he became distinguished above the other two high officials, and, and Darius decides he's going to put him over the whole kingdom. Who is Daniel and, and where is he in his, in his life at this time? He's, he's at least 80. He's in his 80s, and he is still working uh, to the best of his ability for who? For his father? No. For his uncle? No. For the foreigners who came to Jerusalem, conquered the city, ended up destroying the, the Jerusalem, the temple, and took him back to, to Babylon. Daniel is still serving even though... Uh, he, he probably never, this was probably not one of his teenage dreams, you know, that we want to be a, a, a football player or a baseball player or, or girls might want to be, uh, you know, a model or an actress or a ballerina or whatever, you know, kids want to be these days. Daniel did not want to be a, a servant 
of a pagan king when he was growing up, but that's where God led him, and he does it better than, than anybody. He, he has an excellent spirit in him, and Darius plans to, to make him uh, over all of his kingdom. Now, you, you have that sort of, of position and that sort of success. What do you... You can almost see the, the foreshadowing of what's going to come. These other guys are, are green with, with jealousy. They start looking around. It's like, we don't want this Judite, this Jew, this Israelite being over us. We're, we're, we're natives. We're, we're Babylonians or, or maybe Medes came in or Persians came in. And so they start looking to find a complaint against Daniel. Does that ever happen today? I mean, I do not want to be nominated to be a Supreme Court justice or, or anything else like that. They just start digging, 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 looking for something but notice, what did they find against Daniel? Nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. He is, he's fair, he's just, he's honest in everything that, that he does for the king. What do you think those guys have in mind? It's like, this is supposed to be a position where I can line my pocket and give the king, you know, enough that keeps him unsuspicious I think they want to get Daniel out of the way so they can prosper more by stealing from the king. And they know as long as he's there, it's like, why do I get so much more from these 40 provinces than I do from this other 80? And so Darius is like, this is something fishy with those guys. I'm going to put Daniel in charge of everything. And, and I think I'm going to gain more. So they start looking, 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 can't find anything for him. But they're, are they clever? They say, what, what did they say? We're not going to find anything, any grounds for complaint unless we find something in connection with the law of his God. That's an incredible testimony of, of Daniel and, and his character. One, one writer said that he's of royal descent, royal heritage, but he's also of royal character. That, that just because he had this, this, these ancestors, you know, it said that when Nebuchadnezzar first took uh, Jerusalem and he took back many of the royal, those of noble birth, that Daniel was in that group and he's, he's of noble and royal lineage, but also noble and, and royal character. And, and these, these guys decide it's got to be in connection with, his, with the law of his God. Ian Duguid, a, a, a commentator that, that I read, um, said that, would my enemies say the same thing about me? That it's like, well, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, throw a roadblock up on Dave or Kenneth or Bobby or whoever. You know, would my enemies say that the only way we're gonna get that person 
is in connection with his relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he even goes further. You know, it's, it's the adage of, well, he's gone from preaching to meddling. He said, would my friends say the same thing? And it's like, okay, I'm just going to let that bounce around a little bit. And it just shows Daniel's, uh, just, just Daniel's character and, and, and his life. So they, they conspire against him. They go in to the king. It's this, this standard greeting. But Daniel's going to use it later, so it's not always bad. O King Darius, live forever. And he says that all, and then they, they, they lie. They say all of the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, the governors, were all in agreement. Now, were they all in agreement? Daniel's probably not in agreement, absolutely not in agreement, and Daniel's apparently not, not even there. He says, establish this ordinance that for 30 days nobody can pray to a God or man, make a petition, pray to a God or man. That's kind of a strange to the ears type of thing. How many times, maybe as Protestants, we don't pray to people? You know, maybe there are some groups that pray to saints or Mary, but it's just, it's just kind of a, a, a different thing. Why would you pray to a person anyhow? But, but they say, Make a decree, an ordinance, that for 30 days nobody can pray to anyone except you, O king. Darius seems to be a halfway decent guy, but he's also, I guess everybody has that little bitty touch of egomania that, that he, it's, it's, this has got to just kind of feed his, his ego. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Let him just pray and make petitions to me, not even one of the, one of the gods. And so he agrees, and the penalty is going to be anyone who does this shall be cast into a den of lions. It says, let this be an injunction according to the to the, the code and the law of the Medes, Medes and Persians that it cannot be revoked. That once the, the, the king established a law, they couldn't change that law. Now the king could override it by establishing a new law, but that sort of, you know, wasn't, he wanted to save face. And not, and not change a lot. Okay, I did this on Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to revoke it. They, they generally wouldn't do that just because it would make them look bad. So Darius signs this, this document and this injunction. So now it's the, the law of the land, the law of, of the Medes and Persians. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in the upper chambers open toward Jerusalem. So there is no doubt about it that Daniel knows this law has been signed. It's, it's in effect. There's, there's, there's no doubt Daniel was 100% cognizant of, of what was going on. This is now a, a new law. 
Okay, the middle of verse 10, I think. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then he answered and said, then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or, or the injunction you have signed, but makes petition three times a day. So they, they tricked Darius into this, into this decree, this ordinance, that no one could pray. They knew that Daniel would choose to obey God rather than the ordinance, that his habit was to, uh, to, to pray three times a day. Daniel knows this has been signed. He goes home. It seems, you know, maybe at, maybe at noon and, and, and goes to the, his window that's open toward Jerusalem and, and he prays. These conspirators, it says they, they came by agreement. They said, okay, you can set your watch by Daniel praying toward Jerusalem. Let's go there at, at noon and we will find him and then we will turn him in. And, and sure enough, just like clockwork, Daniel was there by his open window praying toward Jerusalem. What could Daniel have done knowing that this was now the ordinance? Was, was this his only option? I mean, it was his best option, but what, what could he have done? Just close the window, and, and then they're not going to see you, you know. Put, lock the door, close the window. But Daniel says, no, I'm not changing because of this law. I'm not concerned with Darius's ordinance. I'm not concerned with these, these jealous high officials who, who want to get rid of me. He's more concerned with his relationship with, with God than he is any consequences that, that might come to him But because of that. Why is he praying toward Jerusalem? Is there any law, Mosaic law? There's no instructions in, in, in the Mosaic law about praying three times a day. That was Daniel's, that was his, his method, his, his habit. There's, there's nothing uh, fast about or, or, or a law about praying toward Jerusalem. But remember, 1 Kings chapter 8, when Solomon they were dedicating the temple, and Solomon was praying to the Lord. And it's, it's 1 Kings chapter 8 from 46 to, to 50. Just a quick paraphrase is that Solomon said, And God, when, when your people sin and they're taken to a foreign land, may they pray toward this land, Israel, that you have given them, this city, 
Jerusalem that you have established your, your throne. And this temple that, that Solomon's prayer was that, that when, when the Jews were taken into exile, this was around 1000 B.C. when they're dedicating the temple. Maybe it's 979, something like that. And, and now 400 years later, Daniel and, and, and other Jews are in captivity. And he, he, he knows that prayer that Solomon had given and that Solomon asked the Lord, if they pray toward Jerusalem, will you hear their prayer and, and forgive them? And, and, and send them back to, to Jerusalem. So Daniel, as part of his, his worship, he's, he's praying, said that he prayed and he gave thanks as he had previ previously done. Corey's going through this series called Still Grateful. And, and wouldn't Daniel and, and other faithful exiles like Ezekiel is a contemporary of Daniel, Jeremiah is, he's not in Babylon, uh, but, but he's, he's certainly a, a, a contemporary prophet of Daniel. You know, he had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were his friends who had gone, but that they prayed, but they gave thanks. How many situations would be more difficult to give thanks in than being in exile 500 miles away from home, living from one pagan empire, Babylon, to another, the Medes and the Persians, and still Daniel gave thanks. You know, what did he give thanks for? Was he of such a mind that he realized that every day I get up, it's a new, a new blessing. I've taken a, a, a new breath and that he gives thanks. He's, he's, he's probably also praying like Jeremiah told the exiles in writing, pray for the city that you're in. You know, pray for Babylon. When Jeremiah wrote it, it was, they were under uh, Babylonian control. Pray for Babylon. Pray for the Medes and the Persians. Pray that, that God will... That, that, that the people of God will repent and he will restore them to, to their land. So Daniel continued his, is it, does it seem or sound um, less, to, some, to say it was a habit? Give me a better word than habit or ritual. Maybe practice. Habit seems like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the right word. Daniel's practice, Daniel, part of Daniel's spiritual life was to pray three times a day. He was diligent. He was diligent. His custom, I don't know, I just, the, my vocabulary is not that great. And, it, and it's, you know, okay, it's his habit. But it seems like it's, it's more than a habit. It's, it's better than a habit. Maybe because we associate habits too many times with bad things that we do, you know. It's my habit to speed up the whatever road or, or and that would, conviction. conviction. It's Daniel's conviction to, to, to pray three times a day toward Jerusalem, to petition God, but also to give thanks three times a, a, a day to, to the Lord. 
So then the conspirators, they know, okay, he's going to be there. They come in, they catch him, and they go immediately to tattletale to the king. But notice what they say beforehand, almost to trap the king. They said, did you not sign this injunction? Are we dreaming this? They know they were there, you know. They all got one of those pins, like when the president signs something and he writes, you know, the first part and he signs this, this bill with like 14 pins and, 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 they, and they pass them out, that, that they all had, you know, one of those pins to say, I was there, here's the pen he used to sign it. Not, not literally, but they, they know. And, 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 and Darius says, yes, I, I said that. And they said, well, then this Daniel, who's one of the exiles from, from Judah, it's, it's a racial slur, basically. This Jew, he's an exile. He doesn't pay any attention to you or to your injunction. He makes his petition three times a day. So now Darius is probably thinking, what have I done because he wants Daniel to be in charge of all these other cheaters and scoundrels, and, and now they've tricked him into something. Verse 14, Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till sundown to rescue him. So Darius loves Daniel. He knows he's been duped. And he tries to come up with a way to, to rescue Daniel, but he can't. Save making another injunction that sort of makes him look goofy, wishy-washy, and he doesn't want to go that far. Verse 15, Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or, or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the, mouth, the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, People are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. 
for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So they've set up Daniel. The king tries to come up with a way to, uh, to rescue Daniel, but, but he can't do that. These conspirators go back to Darius and, and they, they force him to, to abide by this injunction, this ordinance that he's established, and to throw Daniel into the, into the, the, the den of lions. And so the king relented, gave in to, to this trick, and, and, and Daniel was, was cast in there. He said that, that just before he's thrown in, Darius says, may, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. That, that, that Darius knows Daniel's convictions, Daniel's, Daniel's continually serving the Lord. Continually occurs two or three times in there. It just jumped out at me then as we were reading it, just, just how Darius Darius views Daniel as being in constant communication with, with God, but constantly serving the Lord. That that's, that's Daniel's number one job. Number one task in, in, in his life or, or part of his life. And then serving Darius in his position is, is, is even takes a, a lower tier. As well as Daniel did that, Daniel still his priority and conviction was serving the Lord. So they throw him in. They bring this stone and put it over the, the lion's den and they, they, he seals it like one of those wax seals with his signet ring and those his lords as well so that, that no one can get in. When they go back the next day, it'll be obvious there's the seal. It's not been broken and, 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 and then they expect to find nothing. These lions, they're not going to leave anything of this old, you know, grisly, grisly, lean old man. One, one, one writer, it may have been uh, Spurgeon, had said that, you know, those lions, God shut their mouths, but that wasn't going to be this great delicacy, eating this 80-year-old <laughs> grisly, you know, guy. And then what does Darius do? He goes back to his palace. He, is, he says he's in anguish. He, he, he is saddened, you know, to, to the 10th degree that, that it's come to this. Said that he spent the night fasting, no diversions were brought in, and sleep fled from him. Compare and contrast Darius' night and Daniel's night. Who do you want to be? You want to be the king? The king had everything at his disposal. All Daniel had was the presence of God. And Daniel came out way ahead that, that the king could have had anything. And, and yet all Daniel had, he, he's, he's stripped of everything 
and all he has is God's presence, which far exceeded anything. And, and Darius, because of, of Daniel, who Daniel was, and his love for him, spent a sleepless night. Then he goes at daybreak. As soon as the, 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 it's, it's legal, he's, he's been in his sentence, and he, and he goes up. What does it say about Darius, what does it say about what Darius may have learned from Daniel that he even went to the lion's den to see? I mean, he's, he's, would you have gone? Hoping. He's hoping. Does he think it's possible? Does he know that the account from years ago of this other king throwing three young Israelite exiles into into a fiery furnace, and they came out. That I don't know if he knows that. Maybe Daniel's told him that story. That, yeah, we've been here. I've been here almost 70 years, and it's been rough. There's been trying times, you know, but God has been with us. He delivered my three buddies from the fiery furnace. I don't know, but, but, but Darius goes thinking maybe there's a, a chance. He calls him the living God. He knows that this God, the God of Israel, is not one of these gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood. And he says, has he delivered you? And Daniel says, O king, live forever. You know, I bet Darius could have just fainted right then by hearing this voice come out. And it wasn't a belch from a lion. It was, it was Daniel's voice. And he said, God sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouths and there's no harm in, found in me. Why? Because God found me blameless before him. That these guys concocted this, this law to trap me, but, I, but God found me blameless and he shut the lion's, the lion's mouths. So I was, it, somehow it, 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 it it kind of came into my head. Did Daniel know this particular angel? So we got chapters 1 through 6 are, are sort of narrative of, of events that happened during Daniel's exile. Chapter 7 through 12, we get into visions and dreams that, that Daniel had. And when you look at, at chapter 7, the first year of Belshazzar. And then, then chapter 8 is... Um, the third year of, of King Belshazzar. Chapter 9, the first year of Darius. All of those visions, or, or, or several of them, involve an angel coming and talking to Daniel. Okay, we don't know when chapter 6 happened, but it's certainly after the first year of King Belshazzar, after the third year of King Belshazzar, because Belshazzar's dead. Daniel might have already known this angel. I don't know, I, and I don't know why. Maybe that's not interesting to anybody but me, but it, you, know, you kind of think, what did he talk about with the angel? You know, did he say, hey, how's Gabriel? Gabriel came and saw me 12 years ago and explained this to me. Or, or did he say, um, do you angels sleep? Because I'm going to get some shut-eye. As long as I know you're going to stay awake and keep doing your job of closing these lines' mouths, you know, I, what did they talk about? And is, it is Daniel sort of perturbed at Darius for getting up so early. It's kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're walking around in the fiery furnace with, with the angel of the Lord, maybe the pre-incarnate Christ. 
And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar says, come out of there. It's like, I don't want to leave. If, I, if they're walking around with an angel or, or, or perhaps God the Son in a, in a pre-incarnate state, do they want to leave him and go out and see this king? Does, does Daniel want to leave the lion's den when he's, he's visiting with this angel and finding out things? Uh, but, but, but Darius says, come out, come out. And then Daniel testifies to what God has done because he found no fault in him. And as was, was common practice then, there's even a, a, a when, when someone is falsely accused, there's even a part of the Mosaic law in Deuteronomy 19 that they would cast those false accusers would suffer the punishment that they had tried to get on someone else. And then Darius makes this new proclamation where he says that people everywhere are to tremble and fear the God of Daniel. And look at the, the attributes that he gives to the God of Daniel. He's the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. He delivers, rescues his signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has saved Daniel from the power of the lines. That, that, that Darius, he has almost a, a similar type of of response that Nebuchadnezzar had. Did he become a believer in only that that God? We don't we don't know, but he certainly Well I think Darius at this point is becoming a believer from the previous events that have Yes, he, he seems to be on his way to, you know, believing in the, the God of, of, of Israel. Yeah, why are they, you know, and that was just the practice was that you didn't leave any heirs alive to then come and and retaliate against you. It was, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's not my father. <laughs> I've never seen that guy in my life, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so it also dispels, forget the, the, the horribleness of that, but it, it's, you know, some doubting scholars would say, well, Nebuchadnezzar through, you know, four cows down in there, and so the lions were well fed, and they left Daniel alone. It's like, no, these guys didn't even make it to the bottom before the lions chomped on them. So that wasn't the case. The case was a, a miracle of God, you know. A, a, another um, guy that I was listening to said, well, the first miracle is that Daniel is an honest politician, and, and then the next miracle is that, you know, the lions didn't, didn't eat him. That's kind of Maybe tacky, but I think it's true. He just wasn't thinking. I, I mean, blame it on 
the Y chromosome or whatever that, you know, he was a man and it's like, oh, these guys are flattering me. You know, it's like, yeah, of course. I want no one to, to. Yes. Could have been possible that when they were talking him into creating laws, they would say, you know, whoever disobeyed and their whole families, and then they turned around and had to live by the laws that they <coughs> that they had done. Yeah, they they yeah yeah they 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 did. They got what they tried to put on him. So we're we're out of time, but. You've heard the, the, uh, the title or maybe the, the goal or the, 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 I'll just tell it to you and then you figure out what it is. <laughs> Dare to live like Daniel. But there's more to it than that. Yeah, yeah, yes, we, we should have convictions like Daniel. But there's more to it than that. Daniel is a foreshadowing of the greater Daniel, who was also plotted against and accused by evil people, falsely accused. He was brought before a ruler who actually found no fault in him and wanted to let him go, but, but had to give him up to this, this, this violent death. He w the greater Daniel was thrown into a pit and a stone sealed that tomb for three days. Like Daniel didn't die, the greater Daniel died so that Daniel didn't die. Why? Because God found no fault in him. God said he was blameless in this, but the greater Daniel, Jesus Christ, died so that we might be found blameless, so that by his blood we might be justified and, 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 and redeemed so that there's death did not control either one of them, but, but the greater Daniel, Jesus Christ, conquered death when God raised him from the dead that we too might have that same assurance. Any, anything else before we... I don't... I don't think so, but some, you know, might say that it was the pre-incarnate Christ. But normally in the Old Testament, when, when they would refer to, or what scholars would say, okay, this was the pre-incarnate Christ, it would say the angel of the Lord. And it, there's still even uncertainty then, but that it just says he sent an angel. So, you know, maybe... And it may not have even been Gabriel. It may have been one of the legions of angels that came uh, that, that I think next week we'll probably meet Gabriel. Is he in chapter 7 or is it 8? Well, but it was just an, an angel that came. Well, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, though this may be a familiar account, that there are things that we have forgotten about it. There are things that we can glean about it. But God, may our focus be on seeing Christ, 
that though he was blameless, that he was crucified, that he being the perfect sacrifice would atone for all of our sins, and that by your power he was raised on the third day and, and ascended to your right hand. God, just help us to understand just the impact of, of that, that we could never fulfill the law, that our righteousness would leave us lacking, but by Christ's righteousness, we, we can be saved. God, help us then to use that as a, a conviction to, like Daniel, to continually be devoted to serving you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.